And so it was so loud that we just both had like separate headphones on and we're just doing our own thing. Whereas in this vehicle, we can listen to an audible book, music, we can have a conversation. We can listen to Tiny House Podcast. We can listen to Tiny House Podcast. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. My guests today are Ray and Trevor of Wazamu Life. Would you buy a 30-year-old military vehicle that breaks down all the time but can go anywhere? My guests today are Ray and Trevor of Wazamu Life, and they did just that. They're here to tell us about their fascinating lifestyle, now on their second, less breakdown-prone, go-anywhere tiny house rig. I hope you stick around. But before we get started, did you know that I personally send Tiny House Newsletter every week on Tuesdays? It's called Tiny Tuesdays, and it's a weekly email with Tiny House news, interviews, photos, and resources. It's free to subscribe, and I even share sneak peeks of things that are coming up, ask for feedback about upcoming podcast guests, and more. It's really the best place to keep a pulse on what I'm doing in the Tiny House space, and also stay informed of what's going on in the tiny house movement. To sign up, go to thetinyhouse.net slash newsletter, where you can sign up for the Tiny Tuesdays newsletter. And of course, you can unsubscribe at any time. I will never send you spam. And if you ever don't want to receive emails, it's easy to unsubscribe. So again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash newsletter. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy next week's Tiny Tuesdays newsletter. Right, I am here with Ray and Trevor of Wazamu Life. Ray and Trevor have been on and off the road full-time for the past three years. They like to think they got into road life just before it became popular back in 2019 pre-COVID. Trevor is a professional stuntman and special effects coordinator for film and television, but his full-time job these days is figuring out how to build and run their current off-roading tiny house. Ray is a photographer and marketing specialist who works remotely for a few different companies. Environmental conscious, humanitarians, and adventure-driven, they don't have any plans to slow down anytime soon. Ray and Trevor, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for being here. So I guess um, my first question for you is, um, what is is a Wazamu? What is Wazamu life? What is a Wazamu? I like that. I know, I do too. Uh, so Wazamu means madness in Swahili. Trevor uh-huh. and I, back in 2008, were interviewing for a job in Uganda. And some of the kids at the, in the area that we were working at in Uganda called Trevor Crazy White Man in Swahili. And roughly translated, Crazy Madness is Wazamu. And around that time is when we uh, won a bid for the truck that is now our home and so not this current truck yeah this is our second one, one but our the original build um was an lm yes was an lmtv one it was an lmtv n1078 it was a retired troop carrier out of daytona so big tan beautiful beast 47 inch tires all that and mm-hmm. after you know a year of figuring out what we wanted to do and six weeks of you know bloody knuckles we came up with the first build and decided to name it crazy, but Wasmu sounded cooler than crazy or the word madness. So yeah. Wasmu. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, then I, my question, what is a Wazamu was wrong. Just what is Wazamu? So it's crazy. It's madness. Well, I guess Trevor, Trevor is a Wazamu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, our whole idea behind it was that we're going against like societal norms. Mm-hmm. We're going against the grain of, you know, the white picket fence in front of the house, you know, a chicken in every pot, a car in every driveway. We'd much rather just kind of do our own thing. We work when we need to work. We live where we want to live. And, and we enjoy so much more of not only what this country and hopefully soon enough, many other countries offer, but what we can do in our own relationship, being this close to each other and just out there and pursuing stuff. And instead of, you know, I have to get up at you know 530 every morning to make sure I get to the gym, right. to make sure I get to the gym or get to work. And then I I'm always going to stay an hour and a half to two hours longer to set myself up for the next day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the grind is great. The grind is awesome. But man, after 21 years in the industry I've been in and other industries and, and Ray doing everything she does, we're just like, this is just not enjoyable when we could easily put in, you know, 15 to 20 hours a week and live a very good, healthy life. And still put away a couple bucks every year for our own retirement versus, you know, working 60 to 80 hours a week and not even really knowing each other. We were looking for a different kind of challenge that kind of took us out of the social norm. But I'd like to preference that this was a way cooler and weirder idea back in 2018. I feel like COVID sort of really populated the van life community. And now I feel like it's not that weird. But, you know, back when we were first doing it, we were definitely in odd bunch in our community oh yeah yeah well i feel like being in a vehicle that's so suited to being off-road is is kind of a niche within a niche like you know of the van life community oh absolutely definitely absolutely i mean this truck right now so we sold the old one the lmtv which was an off-road purpose driven built vehicle Mm -hmm. right Whereas now we're in uh, a GMC, 2008 GMC C7500, which was a snowplow dump truck out of Maryland. So it already had a four-wheel drive conversion on it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I did a ton of work to even change that. But we stayed in the realm of the four-wheel drive because of the locations we want to get to. I mean, right now we're, you know, on the Boulevard Peninsula in Texas at Crystal Beach, and, and we can drive on the beach, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah, we're 20,000 pounds. Yeah. We're 127 square foot, little four wheel drive truck, but everywhere else we go, I mean, all of our van life friends that have two wheel drive, it's like, yeah, they can go on the beach too, as long as it's hard packed. Whereas if, you know, if, that's a really cool spot, another mile up there, but we can, we can walk there. We can't get there. Yeah. You know, that was important for us. You know, I want to be able to get 10 steps farther away from the massive group of people to, to really just, you know, kind of find that peace to where I can wake up every morning and not look at my neighbor. I can see the waves or I can see the desert or I can see the cliffs or the forest. And, and that to me was, was more important. It's also why we did a four wheel drive where I, this time I was considering doing a school bus cause I had converted a bus before. Okay. And I really liked that conversion, but it, it just wouldn't have been possible to, do half the stuff we wanted to do or we've already done in this truck. Yeah, simply put, we wanted something that could go up a mountain just as easily as it could drive on the road comfortably and park on the beach. Yep. Got it. So was your last rig a little bit 
less suited to driving on the road? Uh, yes. Yeah, time and time again. So that truck is an awesome truck. And for, for anybody who's listening, if you go out and get yourself a, an LMTV, good for you. You know, I applaud you. You're going to learn how it feels to break your knuckles <laughs> because those trucks, as cool as they are, have problem after problem after problem. And unless you're either going in as, a, as an electrician or a full-time mechanic and just ripping out the nonsense that the military made sure they put in, because uh-huh. every one of their systems has at least three redundancies. Oh boy. And if one of those redundancies fail, go ahead. No, I just said, oh boy. Oh yeah, <laughs> sorry. So if one of those redundancies fail because it's an older vehicle, the other three just crap out. So you can't mm. find where the problem is which was just, it just drove me nuts. And I'm fine with working on a vehicle. You know, I built them both, but not being able to figure it out and the rat's nest of wiring and all that kind of stuff that they did. And nobody will tell you how to find your problems because nobody knows. And then if you want a part, I mean, our alternator went bad on our truck three times and it was 1800 bucks to replace every time, every time. Whereas the alternator on this truck is 180 bucks. Wow. Okay. You know, and, and so if you happen to have the right person who can get you an alternator who can fix the system, that's awesome. But we just, not only did I not have that knowledge from the, you know, a military mechanical standpoint, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to do anything, you know, but I, I need somebody to help. And so many people just, they also didn't understand. From a practical standpoint too, it was a very loud vehicle. So we basically got used to driving for hours and hours at a time in just total silence because you sit right on top of the engine in that model or vehicle. Wow. And so it was so loud that we just both had like separate headphones on and we're just doing our own thing. Whereas in this vehicle, we can listen to an audible book, music, we can have a conversation. We can listen to Tiny House Podcast. We can listen to Tiny House Podcast. Uh, So yeah, this one, I mean, now having experienced this vehicle, I would definitely never go back you know but with, with what you said earlier though like um so the lmtv is a 10 out of 10 off-road but it was like a three out of 10 on the on road mm-hmm. we were limited by you know our height restriction our width restriction our weight restrictions and then it just didn't go fast you know you hit 55 and you were lucky Oof. whereas the truck we're in now is i would say like a six out of 10 on the road yeah, and, turtles were passing us in the LMTV, that's for sure. Yeah. Going uphill was a struggle. Yeah. But this one's also a 6 out of 10 off-road. You know, mm-hmm. so, yeah, we lost a little bit, uh, you know, on the off-road thing, but we didn't get to experience a lot of the off-road stuff, ultimately, because we couldn't afford, you know, the financial, like, just necess- necessity to really bring the motor and the electronics in that truck up to the level that we wanted them to be at. Whereas this truck, we're starting at a level, like I said, less off-road, more on-road, but just that worked. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to, to get a little bit more versatility, um, to be able to travel on the road um, and still have something that's, that's pretty great off-road. Yeah. So um, I would say, I don't know how long ago, I'm going to say a year ago, I interviewed a guy, uh, Tom Roscoe, who built a really cool... Um, go anywhere ambulance conversion. Um, yeah. Oh, we love ambulance yeah. Conversion. And so 
looking at your two um your two rigs it, like one of the one of the things that kind of struck me about the ambulance is that it essentially the the cabin the cabin is done you know you've got this box it's insulated and then you can just build out the inside however you want sure from pictures of your build it looks like you're actually building the physical structure on the back of this vehicle as well as you know finishing it out is that correct oh yeah okay oh yeah Start to finish, it was all me. <laughs> it, took, it took over five months to build. So when we first bought it, it was just that snowplow truck that had the dump truck, dump bed, dump bed mm-hmm. thing on the back. Uh, so we took that off, and Trevor fabricated the entire shell of the box, and we were able to lift that with some so, special machine. Why don't you just take this one? Okay. So. Let's go off on a side thing real quick. So I believe there's a difference between wealthy and rich. Mm-hmm. And we are very wealthy in the people that are around us. Yeah. We are we are not wealthy in finances, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. The people around us that are, were able to kind of tap in on this project were very wealthy and, and rich at the same time. And so they were willing to give us space and time and knowledge, which are three things that are more important than money because, mm-hmm. well, we didn't have any of them. <laughs> um, so uh, Robert Ashby, Ashby Crenshaw trucking out of Richmond, Virginia, Virginia. Wow. Virginia. Virginia. Been in Texas too long. <laughs> um, he, he not only gave us space, but he gave me an ear. So every time, you know, I had a question or a concern, you know, whether it was how I'm building something, you know, tensillary strengths, or, or something about the truck, I could bug him and talk to him. And he mm-hmm. gave me that time, which was just invaluable. But he also collected us. So we're now a story that he can pass on. And he gets to tell other people about and show pictures about it. So it's really just been awesome for both of us. But with that, he gave us full access to his shop, which means he had a 120,000 square foot truck company shop. There was 30 or 40 big rigs being built. Wow. Some just being repaired, other completely custom, really cool builds. And he just said, here, here's your bay. Do whatever the heck you want. Yeah. Um, needless to say, the build would have taken twice as long and cost twice as much had we not had Robert in our community kind of helping us. But Trevor did build the whole thing, start to finish, plumbing, electric, fabrication, right down to the cabinetry and painting. Wow. It took him five months. He started in October and we finished uh, the first week in or second week in March. Nice. Of this year? Yes. So October 2021 and then March 2022. Yeah, That's it was awesome. the end of October. Yeah. Yeah. And so is this yeah. uh, I I flipped through the um your Insta story, the Wazi 2 build that shows some of the progress. So it looks like you basically fabricated a metal box a, a chassis even for it and then built it out can can you talk about you know you don't have to get too technical but like what are the walls made of how is it insulated you know what is what is this box that you live in yeah so i just i went off of uh the first build the first build i my thought was the lmtvs are already top heavy mm-hmm. if i build a box on the back of this thing and we're off-roading and we tip over we're all going to die. It's just, it's just going to roll and crush. And, you know, it's just horrible. So I built a steel box, fully reinforced C channel on every angle, a lot of apexing and that. Um, and 
subframe and everything. And that whole rig was, uh, or that whole setup, excuse me, was at an articulation point center so that I had two hard points in the rear. It was able to flex both the subframe and the frame of the truck separately so that we didn't have any worry of torsion and breaking welds or breaking bolts. This truck, I did the exact same thing. The subframe on this one is not an internal or hidden subframe. It's outside the actual box. So the mm -hmm. box itself is welded to it. And that subframe sits on the original truck frame. So it gives us a little bit more uh, height on, on the underneath. But with that, all of our tanks are on the inside this time. So I didn't have to worry about that height issue. So we are still at 12 foot, two inches total tall, mm -hmm. which is important because we didn't want to go over bridges, under bridges and get stuck. But anyways, you went back. So this whole thing is all steel. The walls are all steel. It's all C-channel. The insulation is three inch closed cell foam mm -hmm. with vapor barrier. I added vapor barrier on the inside and then all the walls caulked and sealed. So hopefully it's a HVAC tech dream. The plan is to take it to Alaska. We want to spend a couple months in Banff and then go out to Alaska, which was part of the reason why we sold the original build. Mm -hmm. Like Trevor just said, all of the um, pipes and water tank are inside on this one, whereas in the last mm -hmm. one, they were on the outside to create more space. But anytime we were in extreme temperatures, uh, particularly cold temperatures, the pipes would freeze and it was uh, like a total nightmare to try to warm them back up and use water. So we wanted to make sure this one was total expedition alaska ready so that was kind of one of the main priorities why we sold the last one and built this one yeah that's awesome and so speaking of cold climates um how how are you heating this this space although it sounds like right now you maybe aren't using the heat because you're in a warm place maybe but yes yeah, it's, hot, it's hot in texas right now so we've got uh two options we have a mini split hvac that's powered by 1850 watts of solar okay so we haven't had any issues whatsoever yet. We've seen a couple 14 degree nights and uh, we didn't even, other than the opening the door, you know, we're good. Mm -hmm. But if we want to get romantic, my favorite feature, uh, we can use the hardwood stove that I made uh, out of a really old propane tank that was for uh, like a 60s or 70s it's forklift. It's so cute. I mean, it's badass, but it's so <laughs> cute. So we can use that either or. Sometimes we use them both. Sometimes, usually when we use the the hardwood stove, though, if that thing burns for more than fifteen minutes, both Lewis, our English bulldog, and Ray are both complaining as to how yeah. hot it is. So then we open all the windows and everybody freezes. And I'm like, why did we're I all, light the fire? We're I all mean, allergic to heat. Yeah. The propane tank fire stove thing is probably the coolest feature. I mean, he built everything with his hands, but that one's probably my favorite. It was like this grungy propane tank, and I was totally unsure about it. And he just cleaned the whole thing out and, yeah, it made it look very cool. I'll make sure to put a post a photo of it on the on the show notes. Yes, you definitely have to. It's got, a little, it's got like a little glass piece so you can even see the flame, which was my request, and I love it. It's very romantic. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, you've got to see the flame because that really, that, that's what makes the wood stove romantic. You don't get that nice flicker. Yes, well, and like the mental aspect, I can, I feel like I'm mm -hmm. getting warmer because I can see the mm -hmm. fire. So how do you decide, it sounds like Alaska is a goal for you, but, you know, how do you decide where to travel and, and like how far are you traveling in, in, a, in a day or a week or a month or, you know, just kind of. Give give us a sense of like what your your lifestyle is like. 
Well, so we've got, we're, again, that whole like us being slightly different societal. Yeah. Just the other day, we were driving through Tennessee and a, a guy who'd been apparently following the build, you know, messaged us and was just like, hey, you know, do you like long distance shooting? I was like, well, I mean, I don't know. Sure. Like, and he was like, well, I got a competition. It's like nothing but professionals. Do you want to come out and shoot? I was like, you, do you want, like, I, I was so confused because one, I, I mean, I haven't done that kind of stuff. And two, you want me to go and compete against professionals? Like uh-huh. this is going to be nuts, but Hey, let's try it. You know, we're so open to, to new experiences. And so we ended up hanging out in uh, Tennessee for four more days that we wanted to. We ended up staying at an alpaca farm that just happened to be really close to the shooting range. Uh-huh. And then we got to shoot with all these professional people. And I mean, everybody was so nice and so cool. We just had a blast. Every, every day is different on the road. And part of our mentality is just to say yes. So that's yeah. one thing that we actually love about social media is it gives you this huge community all over, not just the country, but the world. So anytime we go through a state and somebody um, that's following us or that we follow will like reach out and just say, hey, do you want to park here? Do you want to do this really cool thing? We're actually headed um, to Houston this weekend to potentially, you know, fly in some guy's private plane. <laughs> so that just reach out to like, so every day is different. And the best part about the lifestyle is that you get to just say yes and kind of go wherever the road takes you. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That- so we don't want a plan to answer your question. You don't there was really, no plan. There was no plan. You just kind of follow the, you just follow where the experience takes you. Yeah. Like we've got a couple like festivals that we keep our eye on and, um, you know, people we want to meet up with. My sister is getting married in Moab uh, in May. So we're going to be in Moab in May and then we'll be back on the East Coast for another friend's wedding in Florida. But, you know, other than things like that, we're just sort of flying by the seat of our pants. Nice. Yeah. Or driving. Driving by the seat of your pants. How, when you do kind of go off road and you're presumably away from stores and food and, and supplies, how, how long can you kind of be out boondocking or be out away from civilization in, in your rig? We spent, um, almost a month, I think in the Sedona desert in 2019 off the grid, um, just living off like solar panels, the groceries that we had and everything. So Mm -hmm. And we probably could have gone a little bit longer. We had a 90-gallon water tank. And that, if we're, you know, conservative with that, we could last, you know, at least a month. For sure, since we've done that. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, the, I think one of the bigger issues for us is this one thing about that we're trying to be healthier. Mm-hmm. You know, so like no fast food, try to eat as little food that has preservatives in it and all that kind of stuff. Just trying. Yep. You know, obviously in a lot of situations, it's not possible, but that's, that's a big issue when it, when it comes to longevity, because fresh food, food that doesn't need to be refrigerated, all that kind of stuff is those crazy bad for you foods. You know, they're also the foods that you can just sit in the pantry and let them sit up there for two years and open them up and they're still perfect. Yeah. And you're also very limited on space, obviously. So our refrigerator is a fraction of what a normal person's refrigerator would be. So you have to be super thoughtful in everything you do. That's one of the things I love about the lifestyle, but it's also one of the frustrating things about it is everything, including grocery shopping and cooking and all of those things have to be so intentional because if food goes bad, it's 
frustrating because it just took up all of the space and money, obviously, but it's, you know, you just have to be very intentional. So it is kind of tough eating healthy and living healthy, like Trevor said, because everything goes bad so much quicker. And then you have the space. Yeah. If we didn't have to worry about food, if we were just fine with, you know, canned soup and ramen noodles, I, I mean, we don't need to collect to or connect to any kind of an electrical source. We have a backup generator with us at all times if we needed it. Compost mm-hmm. toilet. Compost toilet. Um, yeah. And then if I can get near a water source, I even have, you know, a drop in sump pump I can Filtrate, pump into yeah. our tanks. We have multiple filters for everything. We're very self sufficient if we need to be. Yeah. So, so Doomsday yeah. World and all that kind say, of stuff. Zombie apocalypse. You want to be on our team. I'm okay. good. Yeah, no, I'm joining your team for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yes, we're recruiting. Just let me know when it's coming. Yeah, d- yeah, we'll keep an eye out. I mean, I did work on The Walking Dead, but they didn't really tell me. Either, so. Well, we, we're in Texas. There's been a lot of UFO sightings out here. Yeah. So. Ooh, I'm all about the UFOs. So um, you have a, a dog that travels with you, Lewis. Tell us about Lewis. You can maybe hear him snoring in the background ever so faintly. I don't know if you've ever had an experience with English Bulldogs, but they have the most personality. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've worked in a lot of shelters. We both owned numerous breeds of dogs. And I would say that Lewis, correct me if I'm wrong, has the most personality of all the dogs that I've ever been around. I would... I don't know if he's got the most personality. He's definitely got the most spice. Yeah, he's very nice. sassy. He's a dick. <laughs> I love that dog, man. But if he doesn't want to do something, he ain't going to do it. He's very yeah. stubborn. Um, he's also a service dog. So he goes with me everywhere. Okay. So, which is pretty great. Great road life dog. Just sleeps, does whatever ever we're doing. If yep. we're sleeping, he's sleeping. If we're playing, he has to play. He just kind of reads the room. Yep. Well, so I actually, uh, I adopted a basset hound about a year ago named Parsnip, and he's oh, also God. super sleepy and really stubborn. Um, so I think Lewis and Parsnip would be friends, <laughs> or they would they would nap together. <laughs> Parsnip, that's such a good name. Parsnip is such a good name. I know. Basset I'm sad. He's usually really right. Well. He's usually like right behind me sleeping on this couch, but I think he's out for a walk with my wife. Yay! I would love to yeah. see him. That's, that's so, so fun. Good. Yeah. So that's that's interesting because it's like I know a lot of people here in Vermont are like, and and I'm into it too, like backcountry skiing and like various mountain adventuring, and like a lot of people pick a dog that like can go backcountry skiing with them, like a husky or like sure. you know a retriever, something that can like run through the woods for miles and miles, and and I kind of was like. I would rather have a dog that just sleep is just really chill and then yeah, okay. he'll just be there when I get home. You totally get it. I don't mean like all the ruckus of a husky yeah. in 127 yeah. square feet just going nuts for the like five hours a day we're yeah. driving. Lewis just sleeps the whole time. That's awesome. Way less of a mess. That's like the um I don't know if you ever met like a, a rescue greyhound. They're super docile and you think of them as like being, you know, they're greyhounds, they're super fast and they run, but they like, they run really, really fast for like eight minutes and then sleep the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Lewis to yeah. a T. Five minutes of playtime a day is that's... all he needs. I mean, he literally has been sleeping all day and now he's sleeping more. Well, okay. <laughs> to be fair, we took him for a lap around the grocery that's store. That's true. Really that's took tiring. it out of him. <laughs> so now he's done for a week, two days. Yeah, that's, That can be very tiring. Um, 
exhausting. <laughs> so a hundred, how many square feet did you say? 120? 127. 127. So um, that's a, that's a, very small space, certainly smaller than than most tiny houses on wheels now. Um, do you have? I, th- I think but it's I bigger read than the, a van. It's bigger than a van. It's true, and you can stand up inside of it, which which is very yeah. nice. Um, right. Your bed is on a some kind of lift system. So that was the last build. Okay. Okay. We had the whole thing. It was on a hand crank. She wanted. And I'm not trying to throw her under the no, bus. No, just do it. Throw me right on under the bus. She wanted an area to entertain. And and I, yeah, I'm going to say that again. People. In 127 square feet, she had to have an entertaining space. Listen, you have to learn the lifestyle. <sighs> I didn't know that you had to give up like dinner parties when you move into a tiny house. That yeah. was a learning thing. So eventually, you know, we realized that like people want to come in, check it out. Then we'll go into their house, check theirs out. Then we'll all hang out outside. Yeah, right. So after a while, we realized cranking the bed up and cranking it down was just a pain in the butt. So we completely deleted the crank system. It became storage underneath. And on this build, uh, underneath, I have the electrical cabinet because we have uh, 600 amp hour batteries. We got a transformer, converter, uh, charger, all that kind of stuff that, that controls our electrical system. And then we have our 75-gallon fresh water tank, our filter, our pump. And the hot water heater, that's all under the bed. Yeah, the bed's permanently in place. For anybody listening who's doing a build, I do not recommend doing a crank system bed. If you have the money for one of those like push button beds where it just goes up and down, more power to you. The happy jacks. The happy jacks. Mm-hmm. But uh, cranking your bed up and down every day is very annoying because it's something I always tell everyone, if you can't access an everyday item within five seconds, it's going to irritate the crap out of you in this lifestyle. Yeah. Your bed is something you use every day. So you just need to be able to have access to it or it's going to drive you nuts. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, I feel the same way, even in my tiny house with the the loft being up a, a ladder, um, just climbing up that ladder is gets annoying because it, it kind of slows you down. And that's where, that's where we stored our clothes yeah, is like up in the closets. Yeah. So, um, I have a couple more questions for you. Um, you, um, posted a recent, uh, post on, on Instagram. Um, it's a video that says compost versus black tank. And you've already mentioned that, you know, your current build has a compost toilet. Did, did the first build have a black tank? I'm very passionate about this question, Ethan. I'm so glad you asked. Okay. Let's talk about poop. So the first build before Trevor has a chance to throw me under the bus again. Yeah. The throw first him build, under the bus. Trevor was like, we need, we need a compost toilet, right? And I'm like, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard in my life. Don't talk to me about poop oh, in okay. general. All right. I'm going to jump in here real quick. I'm going to jump in here real quick. So, so I did research for over a year. And originally, before I even met Ray, I was going to convert my pickup because I was racing in the National Enduro Series Mm -hmm. to hold two motorcycles in the back and then a pop-up tent on top with a little refrigerator. And that was about it. And researched the crap out of that. And then I got hired to build a school bus. I researched the crap out of that. And then I met Ray. And years later, we ended up deciding to do it ourselves. So I'm researching like crazy. Researcher. So he's all, listen, I've done the research and I'm telling you the compost toilet is the way to go. And like, that's the most disgusting thing ever. I'm not turning my poop in dirt. Like, mm-hmm. no, 
we're not doing it. So, so to, instead, so to appease me, I was like, we need to have a regular flush toilet. So to appease me, we did the black tank flush toilet on the first build. Oh, wow. Probably the most disgusting thing ever. I cannot stress this enough to people listening. Do not do a flush toilet. It's way grosser than a compost toilet. When it is time to dump, you cannot get to a dump station fast enough. Then you're waiting in line with a bunch of other people that are dumping their crap. People mess up all the time at dump stations. So there's inevitably all kinds of, like, depending on where you're at, how nice the area you're at, it's usually a disgusting situation. Not that I ever did it. I, I mean, was going to say, how many times did you have to dump the black tank? <laughs> I never did it every time, I'll be honest. It was just really gross. And he, every time we would do it, he'd be like, I wanted a compost. Anyway, it's fine. We've evolved as humans. This go around. It was not even a conversation. We did the compost toilet. I will never look back. It is so easy. As soon as you need to get rid of your pee, you can just like lift up the little pee jug, dump it anywhere that is suitable for the environment. Be kind mm-hmm. to the earth, everyone. The uh, dirt area where you know what goes is only needs to be changed out like, what is it, like three to six weeks, depending on how much you use it, three to six weeks. And there's like an electric fan. So it just pulls all of the smell every time. So there's never been a smell, not even when you're going to the bathroom. There's never a smell. It's so much less gross. There's no um, stress of trying to find a dump station. You just, it's great. And she's actually cleaned it herself this time. I'm doing it myself, everyone. I This is a wall. It's so nice. So yeah, compost all day, every day. Compost. I don't know why we don't have them in regular households, to be honest. We're... The other thing that's so nice about it is that you're saving so much water because right. you have to conserve water when you live in this lifestyle, as anybody who's done it knows. So the amount of water that we're just saving personally is amazing. Never mind what you're doing for the environment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, com- compost every day. I mean, Nature Head should sponsor us. If you're listening, Nature Head. You're listening, and they they should sponsor my show too. So Nature Head sponsor both of us. Oh, Nature Head, all us. <laughs> Wait, 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 but until you do your stock. Yeah. Sponsors will yeah, change your yeah. mind. Yeah. There you go. So when your nature's head is full um, and you're out in the, you know, you're out camping or you're out in the wilderness, you can just, you can just dump it into the woods, essentially. Yeah. We, I mean, you treat it like you would, you know, actually go into yeah. the bathroom. So you dig a little bit of a hole. Yeah. Make sure there's, there's no, you know, residual like paper that didn't dissolve or that kind of stuff. But we don't actually put paper in the toilet anyways. Yeah. If we're, if we're in a town or something like that, and you just put it into a grocery, a paper grocery bag, Yeah, you know, and that can go right into a dumpster or something like that. I mean, after, I can't remember what it was after like five or six days, you know, it's, it's completely gone. It's broken down so much that like, it's, it's just dirt. Yeah. Wow. And listen, I'm not a gross person. I just feel like people listening really need to understand that I'm, this is not gross or I wouldn't do it. I promise. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's um it's it's a big thing for the tiny house lifestyle of using that composting toilet and I think that's something that a lot of people are afraid of before they do it and then most people are like you they become, you know, not just tolerant but Believe but fans fans of it. Right. So sure. Um do you um so Ray, you mentioned that your favorite feature is the fireplace. Trevor, do you have a favorite feature of your current build? I mean, I, I, I'm a guy. Let, let's just straight up be honest. I'm a guy. I was, I was a kid. 
And the only thing that happens to men when they grow up is they get a bigger wallet. Let's be honest. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Hopefully, if you're doing it right. Yeah, that's about it. So being a guy, you know, I was a kid. I loved big trucks. I liked looking at things that really got were cool. They got my imagination going. That's what this truck does. That's what the old truck did. When I look at it, you know, when I'm walking up to it or something like that, like it looks cool. You know, the off-roading lights up front, the big bumper I built up front, the fact that we've got big honking knobby tires, the whole thing right now yeah, is still black. Say, I would say the look of it is, oh, is your favorite. Like, it, he did, like, a custom bumper that, so we have an agreement that the outside is Trevor's domain and the inside is my domain. So I got to decorate and do the look in the inside. He can't say anything about it and then vice versa the outside. So the bumper on the outside. That's funny. You still say things about the outside all the time. <laughs> okay, I have opinions everywhere. That's cool. Uh, but the bumper on the outside is totally badass looking. I would say more people ask about the bumper than other things on the outside. So if I was going to help you pick what your favorite is, I would say either the like safari lights or the bumper. Just the look of the outside. Just the whole look the of whole, it. The whole yeah, that, that's my favorite part. Nice. So you feel you just you're inspired by by your home, which is awesome. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you can't tell what it is. And so so many people ask what it is. Somebody the other day asked us if it was a um like an off road taco truck or something. What did they ask? Oh, they asked if it was a food truck. No, but they what did they say in front of it? They were like a zombie apocalypse food truck or something. Oh yeah. And then somebody else if we were um like a paper shredding company <laughs> oh, yeah that was weird yeah and then other people have asked like if we're like a, con- a specialized construction you can't tell what it is from the outside oh no we is, so there is really there's these big black mm-hmm. trucks that go everywhere that that tear up trees that have been blown over you know in yep. storms and stuff like that it's usually for the highways and there are these they're you know 18 wheelers that have a big box on the back to put all this debris and they're all black and i don't know why because it's hot for them but they're everywhere, and so like that—that's definitely something we've been asked about. Yeah, and the, the if first we're police bill, or SWAT or military. Yeah, the first one that we did on the LMTV, uh, Trevor was working on the set of Walking Dead, and one of the directors for an episode was trying really hard to get the truck in the background of an episode just because it looked so ridiculous and yeah. zombie apocalypse. Instead, they went with a much newer, yeah, newer LMTV. But that's fine. What year was that? original lmtv it was in 1998 98 wow yeah and then you kind of talked about this earlier just like you couldn't just bring it to why did you say wow like that's all why did i say wow yeah i'm a 90s kid be careful i mean why are you aging us well i hey i i'm an 80 i was born in the (laughs) 80s but um just that it's it's hard to keep a vehicle for that long and have it be in good working condition. That's the only reason I said, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, we totally upgraded this one to 2008. Right. Sure. And and to kind of like get with that a little bit, there is a big difference between light duty vehicles. Mm-hmm. So like that ambulance you were talking about. Yeah. I'm sure it's a great vehicle, but depending on its age, you would have to go into the motor and tear it up a little bit. New seals, yeah. new valves, new injectors, whatever you need. Even if, I don't even know if it's diesel. Whereas the heavier duty ones, you know, yeah, they cost a little bit more. Yeah, they're going to eat up a little bit more of your time. 
mechanically and stuff like that. But the the motors are built with 500,000 to a million miles potential. Wow. Whereas most other vehicles on the smaller duty, you know, are built 150,000 to 200,000 miles. Right. And so, you know, with that, it's like we, I considered all that. I did a lot of research on the 3116 cap motor that was in the original LMTV. Ironically enough, this one's a 3127 motor, the C7. So it's still a Caterpillar. So I understand the majority of it which makes it easier every time we've got an issue. As long as I can source a part, I can fix it in no time. But yeah, as long as you're taking care of it, making sure your oil is always clean, you know, your air filters are always replaced and changed, your you know, fuel filters, all that kind of stuff, keep her running. She'll keep going forever. There's a reason why, you know, farmers are still using the same trucks. They got 1960 to yeah. work on their farm. You know, it's bigger the longer they last. But yeah. yes, 1998, I like that. Well, the electrical system on that truck <laughs> was a, a pain outdated. in the Yeah, it sounds like the electrical system also came from 1998 in all the, the bad senses of the, of the word. 100%. Oh, yeah. Well, just, just remember military, when everybody says like, oh, you know, it's, it's military grade. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, that's cool. Don't get me wrong. But military grade is, was the lowest bidder <laughs> who came in and try to undercut everything to give you the cheapest product with the cheapest material because nobody cares. Think about it this way. The military and the prisons both feed people the lowest possible grade food they can get away with, which a lot of times on the cases says not for human consumption. Oof. Yes, there's a reason you are owned by your government at that time of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I've been working with military people my entire life. I work with law enforcement people in so many different ways, and I, and I love all of them. But every one of them will tell you the same thing. They're like, yeah, military grade? I avoid that shit left and right. Yeah. Yeah, after a couple breakdowns, I was like, what do people do when this happens during a war? <laughs> that, that, that they do have really cool tow trucks. During a war? Yep. Sure. So I, I've been enjoying following you guys on Instagram. Um, and you actually, I think it's your latest post. You, um, they're, they're very philosophical, the, the captions. Um, you wrote, when you're a nomad, time strangely doesn't exist. I've come to realize that our perception of time is almost entirely made up of the schedules we keep with other people around us. Um, can you elaborate on that and say, say a little bit more about what you mean there? This is a great topic. <laughs> Really how deep about. you want to go how uh, long is this podcast um i used yeah. um i think go ahead it doesn't no, no, go ahead how long is um, the podcast i usually keep that the interviews to around an hour all right so i've got like at least two weeks worth of theoretical physics string theory super string theory holographic theory i'm a big fan mm -hmm. of what's next i'm a big fan of just getting my head in and not understanding what my my fellow people understand but really what's above us what's the purpose what's the what's the next goal and so i i mean going all the way back to like you know bohr and einstein and you know all those guys obviously almost 100 years ago now and the different understandings they have and the different you know physical things that we're starting to learn that are actually true mm -hmm. and they keep getting more and more intense and that's exciting mm -hmm. and with that we slowly have been understanding that time itself isn't a relevant concept unless you have to do with what's important about when the sun goes up or when the sun goes down. 
or what's important about aging. Like all those things are the only reason why we really have to deal with time other than get up and go to work by nine. You can come home at five. Mm -hmm. Make sure you put in 49 weeks worth of work for every 52, you know, things like that just, just blow my mind. So me constantly regurgitating and not have anybody else to talk to, I dump on Ray. So that starts the concept of how time is irrelevant and that gravity bends time and all that kind of jazz. And then she slowly, you know, digests it and then comes up with different understanding, understandings and different things. And one of the things she comes up with is, is, is incredibly like intelligent. Why do we have to look at life as I have to do this by this age and this by that age and da 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 Yet everybody we know who's incredibly successful says, hey, here's the playbook. Throw it away. Do something unique. Do something original. Get away from that constant understanding of we have to do it this way. And then all of a sudden, time kind of dissolves a little bit. Yeah, I think for me, the one of the romance parts of road life is this idea that time is sort of irrelevant when you choose this lifestyle. Because um, in that post, I also wrote about how living the, the lifestyle full time is not like camping. And I think there's a giant misconception that, you know, people that live out of their van or school buses or, you know, whatever your vehicle is, are just on this long-term camping trip where you're just making fires every night and cooking s'mores and meeting with people but it's actually so much more involved than that it's there's a lot of hardship that goes into the lifestyle there's a lot of unknowns you're really trading the hustle and bustle stress life of your normal routine for this totally different type of stress and it's a stress of just really being aware of yourself all the time and your surroundings and really being patient with whatever life throws at you because every day on the road is different. Mm -hmm. But you kind of come to this realization that, you know, time, so to speak, like Trevor was saying, really only exists in this, you know, space of our brain where we're measuring time by the schedules that we're keeping in our normal day-to-day routine. Whereas when you live on the road, you don't have a normal day-to-day routine. So there is no schedule to keep so time just sort of becomes irrelevant and so you stop keeping track of it and it stops mattering as much which is one of the best yeah it's one of the best parts of the lifestyle because you just kind of listen to your body almost it's like trevor is saying like i don't you know in, in your normal day routine it's like you have your lunch break you all sit down to dinner you wake up the next morning for your 9 a.m meeting there's you know a rhythm that you have to have yeah. but with this lifestyle you really take the time to listen to your body and you know you asked us that in the beginning when we were doing a sound check you know what, what did you eat for breakfast well today when I woke up you know I wasn't hungry and I didn't need breakfast but around you know three o'clock today we were hungry and so we ended up making a big lunch slash breakfast then and so you just kind of time just doesn't matter I love it well I feel like that's probably a, a pretty good place to to leave it um Maybe you could just, before we go, um, tell us, is there anything that you're working on or anything that you, that you want to kind of get out there and share with the listeners? Uh, I mean, if we want to share anything with everyone, Trevor's, you know, in the middle of something that we are really looking forward to with this lifestyle is the ability to kind of slow down and 
focus on passion projects. Mm-hmm. So this time is allowing one of the main reasons why we were so anxious to get on the road. This time is allowing for Trevor to finish writing his movie script. I'm working on a book right now. So yeah, I'm, I would just like love to share those things with everybody. And also, I just love this, the community that comes with tiny living and living on the road. So I'm always looking for people to like reach out and introduce themselves so that we can connect with them. So I mean, if I could ask for anything from this podcast, it would just be that people would definitely reach out to us and, you know, introduce themselves and camp together. Awesome. Let's do life together. Well, Trevor and Ray of Wazamu Life, thank you so much for being guests today. This was really fun. Thank Thank you you so much for having us. This is very cool. Thank you so much to Ray and Trevor of Wazamu Life for being guests on the show today. You can find the show notes and lots of pictures of both of their rigs at thetinyhouse.net slash 209. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 209. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.